On this episode of Your Wellness, Marley Cameron joins me from Sudbury, Ontario, Canada to talk about her very personal journey of living with metastatic thyroid cancer. You will hear how she struggled with her health at the tender age of 13 and what finally led to her cancer diagnosis at the age of 20. Marley will share the various treatments she received to stop the spread of the cancer, along with disappointments and successes she experienced. Now at the age of 27, Marley is actively engaged in living her life free of pain and advocating for the support of young adults with cancer with the Young Adults Cancer Canada organization as a activist ambassador. All that and more on your wellness. And welcome back to your wellness. I'm Lisa Lounsbury and your wellness wellness coach. And I am excited to introduce to you my next guest, Marley Cameron. Marley Cameron is a 27-year-old beautiful young lady who is living with metastatic thyroid cancer. And she's also an ambassador for the Young Adult Cancer Canada. So welcome to the show, Marley. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Now, I'm excited to hear your story because you have um, endured quite a bit at such a young age, but you've, you've gone through it with grace and resilience, and I think you have a lot of positive um, energy that you can share with others. So maybe let's go back to, I think you were 20 years old when you were first diagnosed with metastatic thyroid cancer. So let's take us back a little bit and share that journey, and we'll, uh, we'll just continue chatting. Yeah, so my journey actually starts before I turned 20. Um, my actual diagnosis came when I was 20 years old, but I was sick for a long time um, before an actual diagnosis was found. And I think that's the case with a lot of young adults in the cancer world or young adults in the chronic illness world as well. Um, you know, uh, oftentimes we are sort of forgotten, like a little bit of a forgotten demographic when it comes to the medical world. Because if everybody thinks you're so you're so healthy when you're young. And unfortunately, we know that that's not the case. Um, people of all ages get diagnosed with chronic illness and, and cancer doesn't discriminate based on your age. So I was about probably 13, 14 years old when I first started feeling sick um, or feeling that something wasn't quite right in my body. And at the time I had a family doctor who uh, wasn't maybe as proactive in finding an answer for me as they should have been. And a lot of the signs and symptoms that I was struggling with, of course, because it is thyroid cancer that I was ultimately diagnosed with, um, it's very hormonal and, and mimicked a lot of side effects or, or symptoms of puberty. Um, and as a young woman, everything was just chalked up to my menstruation or my, uh, my puberty phase. And um, as time went on and I started coming out of puberty and I was still having these issues, I was really, I was really dragging myself. I was really sick. Um, and I was struggling with unexplained weight gain and um, I was having issues with my skin and my hair, my menstrual cycle, all sorts of things that at, you know, 18, 19 years old were, were very bothersome to me. And it didn't matter how many times I pushed and prodded my doctor. I just couldn't get an answer. Finally, I, uh, I, I, was, I was kind of at the edge. I was, I was pushing my limits a little bit and was starting to wonder if, if a lot of what I was experiencing was in my head, um, just because there was, there was never an answer and the blame was always put back on me. And um, 
and I, I, I gave in myself one more chance to find an answer. And I, I went into my doctor's office to have a prescription renewed. And that day my doctor had called in sick and I had to see a nurse practitioner um, as his replacement. And when I saw the nurse practitioner, I thought, you know what, one more time, I'm going to, I'm going to raise my concerns one more time. And if nothing comes of it, then that's it. This, maybe this is how everybody feels. Maybe it's in my head. So I talked to this nurse practitioner about it and she felt my neck. And that was the first time that somebody had given me a manual exam in my neck area. And she instinctively knew that this sounds like a thyroid problem. And given my family background of thyroid problems, it's a wonder that nobody thought to do this, you know, four years prior. So she felt my neck and sure enough, it was swollen. She could feel that I had an enlarged thyroid and she could feel a lump. So she, uh, this, this nurse practitioner is actually the, the medical professional that sparked the ball rolling to find me a diagnosis. Wow. And uh, ultimately I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So I'm glad you didn't give up Marley. Um, and mm. I'm glad that you didn't give up on the fight and had somebody, um, somebody different. I guess sometimes you just need to see a, a fresh perspective from the sounds of it and stop and not giving up. Thyroid cancer is detected. And you're now how old? 20. You're 20 now. after my 20th birthday. Yeah. Wow. So you're 20 and your friends are doing what? So you're dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis and your friends are doing what? I was in a brand new relationship as most people at 20 years old are. Um, I was about a semester and a half into my college program. So my friends are in college and they're dating and they're partying and they're living their life uh, as any other 20 year old would just enjoying themselves and really coming into their own and figuring out who they are. And then I was sidelined and, and my life was put on pause with this diagnosis. You mentioned in an article on Young Adult Cancer Canada that that was the time where you noticed some of your friends starting to distance you a little bit because you weren't able to participate or do the activities they were doing. How did that make you feel? Mm -hmm. I think in the moment and for quite a few years after my initial diagnosis, I struggled with that a lot. I held a lot of resentment uh, and a lot of hard feelings towards them because um, it didn't feel very good to be left behind of course. And, you know, these people who I thought were my friends suddenly, because I couldn't go to a bar, or I couldn't go to a college party. All of a sudden I wasn't worth the friendship anymore. And, and that was really hard. I think the further I've gone into my survivorship and, and the more time I've had to really reflect back on that period of time, I, I am a little bit more um, maybe empathetic towards where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't think that at 19 and 20 years old, I would have had the emotional capacity to support a friend through something like a cancer diagnosis if I hadn't been diagnosed myself. Um, and I mean, I like to think I would because I think I'm a compassionate person, but I mean, I think most 19 and 20 year olds are also fairly self-absorbed <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, really focused on what they're doing. And sometimes you know, it's not a reflection of how they felt about me. It, it was just the fact that they were young and immature and didn't have the knowledge to, to support me in the way that I needed to be supported. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you've come to terms with that. And at 19, you know, a lot of kids don't have empathy. They just, they just haven't been raised to have to have to have empathy. So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of nuances. And when you're not that quite mature yet, 
Now you've also had, um, you've had some successes with your treatment and then you've had some reoccurrences, unfortunately. So can you take us, you know, the next, the last, I guess the next five years after that first diagnosis? Yeah. So I had uh, two surgeries back to back in 2013, right after my initial diagnosis. Um, and that was followed by a round of treatment, which for thyroid cancer, it's typically treated with radioactive iodine. Um, which is a, a radioactive ablation. So you drink a, a radioactive liquid. I think it's isotope 131, iodine isotope 131. And you drink it back and the iodine is, is taken up by thyroid and thyroid cancer cells. And in theory, it, it kills those cells off without damaging the surrounding tissue. Um, so you're re- radioactive for a week, you're in isolation and, and, uh, and that's about it. I mean, it didn't really, there was no pain associated with it. There was no... Uh, like immediate side effects, but I did, I did struggle with long-term side effects as a result of, you know, my whole body being radioactive. Um, And, and I had some success with it. You're right. Um, I was considered no evidence of disease um, shortly after and maintained that for about a year, year and a half. Um, And then in 2015, I relapsed quite aggressively um, and in a rather short amount of time. So at that point I was on like a six month, um, appointment rotation. And at my one appointment, I was clear. And then six months later, the cancer had come back and, and had spread pretty significantly throughout my neck and chin. Um, so I had, a, I had another surgery, the biggest one of, of the four that I've had. Um, it's called the left central neck dissection. So they did an incision up behind my left ear and they swooped it down across the front of my neck to the right side. Um, and they basically cleaned out any tissue that they could do without. So I had almost 80 lymph nodes removed from my chin down. Um, I had cancer on about 20 of those 80 lymph nodes. Um, I had cancer on the sternocleidomastoid muscle band on the left side of my neck. So I had a portion of that muscle removed uh, as well as some cartilage surrounding my windpipe. Um, and then I had, uh, I had another round of radioactive iodine to try and clean it out again, to try and, and give me the best shot at, at staying in remission. And uh, I was feeling really good. And um, it, that didn't last very long either, <laughs> about a year, year and a half. Um, and I actually, it was kind of a fluke that they found it. It was not my regular uh, scheduled appointment. Uh, Christmas time of 2017 on Christmas Eve, I was in the emergency room because my face had swollen up and I couldn't swallow. And I had these big hard lumps on my face and under my chin. And initially we thought maybe I had the mumps, um, but we found that I actually had a blockage in my salivary gland and finding the blockage in my salivary gland also found another tumor um, and kind of reintroduced me into the cancer world again. Not that I really ever left, but, um, started, you know, started the, the role of medical procedures. And I had another left central neck dissection in 2018. And, uh, this time it was not uh, a very successful surgery, unfortunately. So I did have more lymph nodes removed. I had, um, a very significant chance of permanent uh, loss of speech and a permanent tracheotomy. And fortunately, obviously I'm here talking today, so and I don't have a trach in my neck. I know you can't see me, but <laughs> I don't have a trach. And um, yeah, I, I lucked out in that department, but the, the mass that they were most concerned about is located in the mediastinum behind my sternum. So about two fingers down from the top of my breastbone and uh, they weren't able to remove it in surgery. There's just too much scar tissue. So. 
they uh, they thought it was better to close me up and and proceed and and hopefully we'll be able to take care of it in the future. But right now it's stable. It hasn't changed since I had that surgery in 2018 and uh, I have no side effects from it. If I didn't know it was there from imaging, I wouldn't know. Like it's, it literally has no effect on my life, um, but it is something that we have to watch because of its location and, and because of my history. Wow, Marley, it's quite, that's quite the journey. Um... How have your family, I know you're very close to your parents. You have wonderful, you have wonderful family support. How have they been handling this? Because it's it's hard for you, obviously. Um, and I know as a mother myself, this must have been very difficult for your parents to watch you struggle. And how how did they how did they support you and how are they doing? That's a hard question for me to answer, actually, um, because I know that it's very difficult for my parents. Um and I'm not oblivious to the fact that it's just as hard for them. Um, I know that, you know, I'm not a parent myself. I lost my ability to have children throughout my cancer treatment. Um, but I do have a nephew that I'm very close to. And I, I can't imagine having to watch him go through anything difficult in his life, um, any medical issues or whatnot. And it hurts me to know that he's hurting. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be my parents and have to watch me go through what I've gone through um, at a young age. Um, my dad works uh, out of town, so he's not home as often as he would have liked to be throughout my treatment. And I know that was a very difficult thing for him um, to be able to support me in the way that he wanted to while not being physically here. Um, and he struggled with that a lot. And he wrote me a lot of letters and, and he made sure to call me as often as he could. Um, but I think not being here was difficult for him. Absolutely. Um, wow. You are right. I am very fortunate. I've had a lot of support from my parents, my grandparents, my siblings. Um, I can't complain about that for sure because I've been very blessed with the, the people that I have in my life. Yes, yes, uh, that's a, that's one of the silver linings in your in your story. Now let's switch gears a little bit. Let's let's bring back some positive uh, energy here. How are you feeling today? Because you sound you sound positive. You sound like you have energy. Do you have do you have something on your bucket list that you'd like to stroke off before uh, your next birthday or what's going on with you today? <laughs> you know what? I feel fantastic, actually. Um, and it's the first time in a long time that I can say that I'm feeling really, really good. And I don't know if it's a, a combination of just, you know, finally being three years out of, of a medical procedure because I haven't had that in so long, right? It's just been procedure after procedure. And um, this is the longest I've gone without one. So maybe I, my body's just finally having the opportunity to recover in the way that it needed to. Or maybe it's, you know, my hormones are finally balancing out properly with my medication, but I have energy that I didn't have before. And I have, um, you know, I just, I'm not hurting. I'm just feeling mm -hmm. good. I, I have the, the, fatigue under control for the most part. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm exercising more, spending more time outside and that helps I'm sure. But uh, I feel really good. I think that um, I'm, I think I'm struggling still with my mental wellness, but physically I'm doing fine. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, as far as my bucket list, what am I looking forward to? I mean, I'd love to say I'm looking forward to travel, but with the current, <laughs> current situation in the world, I don't feel like that's going to happen anytime soon. But um, I think I'm just looking forward to continuing to live. I, I, fought, I fought really hard for a long time to be able to live and I want to make the most of it while I can. So saying yes more often and, um, you know, doing the things that I want to do with the people that I love most. So wise. You're so wise for 27 years, um, Marley. You've also become an ambassador for the Young Adult Cancer Canada organization. And tell us about how that came to be and and what you're doing with this organization to support others that are struggling. Mm -hmm. So when I was diagnosed, um, I really was struggling very much mentally. at 20 years old, just, you know, all of a sudden being faced with the idea of my own mortality was really difficult to process. And it led to me struggling a lot with uh, some anxiety and some feelings of depression and, and even paranoia, you know, constantly worrying about every pain and ache in my body. And um, I felt very isolated despite having so much support around me and my family. I didn't have anybody that I could relate to on a personal level um, who had gone through what I had gone through at my own age. I knew people who had been diagnosed with cancer, but they were well into their 60s. And cancer is hard at any age, but it's different for young adults is the, the issues that you're facing with cancer are different. Um, And so I I had a hard time finding support up here in Northern Ontario, to be quite honest. And I was kind of pushed around from organization to organization, you know, try this place, try that place. And nobody had a program that fit my little niche of being 20 years old with cancer. And uh, about a year and a half after being diagnosed, I connected to an organization called Young Adult Cancer Canada online. And it's a nationwide uh, organization that provides support and community and resources to young adults between 18 and 39 with any diagnosis, any stage um, that are located within our beautiful country, Canada. So I, uh, I sought support there and um, really found a place, I think, that I could that I could feel comfortable in living with this illness and, and relate to other people and feel a little less lonely um, in the cancer world. And uh, as soon as I found that, and as soon as I realized how much of an impact that organization would have on my recovery and on my life moving forward into survivorship, I knew I had to be a part of it um, and give back to the community in any way that I could. So I, uh, I started volunteering with the program and I applied um, through a national program called Yactivism or Yactivist and uh, was Thankfully, luckily, I was chosen to to move forward as an ambassador for the organization, and I now uh, I now take part in a variety of different media opportunities and uh, write content for um, the Young Adult Cancer Canada website, as well as their Facebook page. And uh, most recently, I started a, a I didn't start it, but I participate. I, I facilitate a, a web chat program for young adults each week where we talk about the struggles and the celebrations of survivorship. Now, if someone in around, you know, in their, in their twenties, or you said it's for 18 to 32 year olds, 31 year olds, how do they, how do they, 39, 18 to 39. So how can they find this, this great resource? How would you find it? Yeah. So there, there's a website, a great website online. Um, and it's getting more more uh, recognition 
further north in the major cities it's fairly well known in the cancer world so toronto ottawa vancouver victoria like those big cities yak is a is a pretty standard resource that's given to cancer patients but um unfortunately up north it wasn't wasn't presented to me so if you're living up north and you're diagnosed with cancer as a young adult um just search out support online because that's how i found it um just google young adult cancer and it'll pop up and uh, there's a variety of different ways to be involved and it really depends on your comfort level um, i would suggest uh, reaching out to the intake officer or, or uh, intake representative her name is Leslie. She's super fantastic. Um, she can set you up with all of the information you need. And there is a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, where the majority of our support is located. Um, and this private group allows you to post to 1300 other young adult survivors. Um, and you can post questions or concerns or, uh, you know, maybe you're having a bad day and you're looking for somebody who can relate to what you're going through. Or maybe you got really great test results and you want to celebrate them with people who understand the gravity of that news you just got. So you can post in this private group and just really have the opportunity to have a safe um, and judgment-free zone where you can just talk about living with cancer. Great suggestion. And I could see how important it would be. You mentioned that you had your own support system with your family and friends, but you didn't really have anyone that could really understand what you as a young adult living with cancer was going through. So I think it's a great to have your own resources and your own support, but I, your, the organization and being an activist, I think is, is um, a good link as an additional support it's not just about not being able to relate to somebody because of their age also like i think um as supportive as my family is and 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 my partner there's there are a lot of topics in the cancer realm that i didn't feel comfortable talking about with my parents for example so uh, you know the impacts of the treatment that i've had on my sex life or my sex drive is not really a conversation i'm going to have at the dinner table with my mom and dad or you know the my fears of dying and what what death looks like for me and what the afterlife if there is an afterlife looks like for me that's not a comfortable conversation to just have with anybody in your family at least it wasn't in my household i know for some people that is but it was a that was a very triggering topic to bring up to my parents and grandparents and um yak provided me a space young adult cancer canada provided me a space where i could go and talk to people about those things and be able to process them um without having that that biased emotion that my my direct family would have had coming into those conversations yeah that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense marley now you, you you mentioned that you do love to travel. So let's take the pandemic out of the out of the conversation. And where would you love to travel? If you could go anywhere in the world, money wasn't an option, time wasn't an option, pandemic didn't exist. Where would Marley like to go? I would love to go back to Europe, I think. Um, there's a lot of places I'd like to go. Don't get me wrong. I want to go lay <laughs> on a beach. I want to go like hike in Iceland. There's a yeah. lot of places, but um, I was fortunate enough to spend some time um right before the pandemic in December of 2019, which feels like forever ago and yesterday, mm -hmm. <laughs> I had the chance to spend three weeks in Norway in Lillehammer and it was absolutely beautiful. And um, I'd love to go back to Norway, but I would also love to explore some other European countries. So I would really like to do like England, Scotland, Ireland, I think would be really cool. And Wales, I can't forget Wales. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still my next trip. Well, uh, that's good. You have a lot of living to do. So once this is over and we're free to travel, I hope I hope to hear you saying I've booked a trip. 
to Europe or you're on a beach somewhere <laughs> celebrating. Me too. I have $1,600 in Air Canada vouchers sitting waiting. Oh, so, Well, there you go. There's your first step. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, Marley, it was such a pleasure to catch up on and hear your story through your words. Uh, you're very articulate and you're very wise and you have so much to offer. And I, and I hope if someone's listening to this chat and um, is struggling to find their community when it comes to being a young adult with cancer. I hope they do reach out to these, this organization and, and find the, find what you found and uh, move forward with that. So thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to, ha to have had the opportunity to share my story. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Wellness. For more information on any of these episodes or to make a suggestion for a future podcast, you can send an email directly to lisa at newdaywellness.ca. That's L-I-S-A at newdaywellness.ca.